Each day, 7,000 tons of unused American medical supplies go to waste. This doctor is doing something about it. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. Bruce D. Cherish, an associate professor of clinical medicine at New York University Medical School and the founder and chairman of the board of Doc to Doc, based in Brooklyn, New York. Dr. Cherish, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you for having me, Susan. It's an honor. Tell us about Doc to Doc. Well, as you said, an astonishing amount of medical supplies are wasted every day in the United States, um, and it can be broken into two categories those supplies that are obviously reusable, like a hospital bed that's being replaced by the next new bed or monitors or EKG machines or cardiac defibrillators. When these devices and supplies are replaced, very often the old one is thrown out even though it's reusable. The other type of supply is clearly a one-time use supply, something that's sterile, like gauze, syringes, sutures. And what's really amazing is in operating rooms when a surgical kit is opened and used, how much of that kit is expected to be wasted? Anything that's opened in the operating room is thrown out, even though they may be individually wrapped and clean and sterile. So thousands and thousands of pounds of sterile supplies are thrown out every day as well. So our effort is to collect as many of these supplies as possible, make an inventory of these supplies, and then make that inventory available to hospitals in emerging democracies in Africa and let hospitals in need pick the supplies that they actually need and can use and let them fill their own 40-foot shipping container, and then we deliver it. What led you to create doc to doc Well, in some ways, I've always had an interest in helping You know, in the developing world. I felt that we were very lucky in this country to have as much as we have. And I think that really it's only by the grace of God that we're born here and we're lucky enough to live these lives. I was invited to participate at President Clinton's first annual, the Clinton Global Initiative, a summit in New York City in which world leaders and leaders of non-government organizations and other business leaders got together. And everybody who went was asked to make some commitment to help the developing world. And I was thinking about it as I went and I was asked to come And in a way, I thought it was a fascinating conference in that they expected people who came to then go out on their own and make a difference. And they would keep track. And if you didn't do what you said you would do, they wouldn't invite you back. So when I was there, I realized that a natural fit for me was to find a way to help the inequity, help the imbalance between where we have the most abundance of supplies to the places where it's the least abundant. And Dr. Doc came about then. When was the company founded? We were founded in very early 2006. The idea for Dr. Doc and my commitment came about in September 2005, but it wasn't incorporated until the very beginning of 2006. We did receive our tax-free exemption, our 501c3 status, in the beginning of 2006. And we've now really been operational for over a year, but it's only been the last half year we've really aggressively been collecting medical supplies and delivering them. Um, And during this period of time, it's just been remarkable, our growth, and remarkable how much enthusiasm and support we've been getting from our donating hospitals. How are you funded? Private donations. um, I'm, you know, 
as you said, chairman of the board, my main job is to walk around with my hat in hand and try and get donations from caring individuals. And there are a lot of caring individuals out there. We're going to be holding some events, but we've been doing it through basic fundraising. And, you know, obviously we're going to now turn towards grants, potential federal grants. We have the capacity to deliver large amounts of medical supplies. And what's really fascinating is our operating cost compared to what we deliver if you donate $5 to our organization, we deliver $120 of medical supplies, and that's at one-half wholesale value. So we are using the money that we get to deliver much more money because for every dollar we collect, we're collecting what's called in-kind donation. You know, The amount of supplies is massive. So we are able to deliver at relatively low-cost supplies. So at a very inexpensive budget, we can send supplies on a massive level. As much as there's a focus in the international community, both the donor and governmental communities, to fight malaria and AIDS and tuberculosis and meningitis in Africa, it's our belief that building up the basic healthcare system is a good way to start. There aren't doctors in many of these hospitals because many of the doctors are frustrated. Many of them leave their countries for economic opportunity, but some leave out of frustration because there's nothing they can do. They don't even have intravenous lines. So we're sending basic medical supplies to reinforce the basic medical structure for doctors and nurses. They don't have stethoscopes. They don't have hospital beds. So we're sending the fundamentals. We're also, by the way, setting up Internet connections between hospitals in Africa with sister institutions in the United States for doctor-to-doctor, nurse-to-nurse, internet exchange of information and consultation with an idea that we will actually send doctors from both countries and nurses from both countries back and forth to be cross-trained or to offer service. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is Dr. Bruce Cherish, discussing his company Doc2Doc, which sends discarded medical supplies to needy hospitals. Dr. Cherish, describe the mechanics. How are the supplies collected and then redistributed? Well, the collection process comes from several forms. One, we take supplies directly from manufacturers. We take supplies from hospitals. And from hospitals, we set up collection bins outside of the operating rooms. Our biggest fans are the operating room nurses who previously saw how supplies were being wasted from the operating room. They saw the amount of sterile supplies that were being discarded unnecessarily, and yet it's regulatory in this country. So we put a collection bin outside the operating room. And we let the nurses fill it with the supplies at the end of the surgery that was never opened that are not contaminated on any level. We pretty much give them a very easy lesson of what we don't want in there, and they do the rest, and they do it well. And then we pick up these collection bins from all of our hospitals. Some hospitals have 20 operating rooms, and we make up collections on a regular basis, meaning weekly or more frequently. We bring them to our warehouse in Brooklyn, where we have an army of volunteers that spend time sorting through the supplies so that we can take a bag of mixed supplies and regenerate boxes of individual supplies. Everything we collect will then get posted on our webpage where hospitals that we choose to be recipients can then go shopping for what they want. And we vet out the hospitals very carefully. We have a very detailed accountability process in Africa. But we think that it's better for the hospital that's choosing supplies not to get a random gift basket of what we think they need, but to let them shop for what they do need. What don't you want? Right now, what we do not want are medications. 
and we've been getting uh, many requests and really touching numbers of people have contacted us uh, with medications that are left over from loved ones, um, and we can't take medications from homes or hospitals. To begin with, it's a very complicated process, and secondly, we can't certify what we get, but we don't take medicines. We don't take saline or liquid IV line fluid. We do take betadine, which is obviously sterile iodine for surgery, but that's the only liquid we take. We will not take expired supplies. And this gets to be a touchy area because there is a complete universal acceptance in the medical community that the date of expiration of a sterile supply is really premature, that we know that the sterility date goes beyond the expiration, but we're compelled to adhere to that expiration date. Well, African countries, the doctors and patients on the ground would want those supplies, even if they were a month or two expired. They would rather use that than nothing, or you know, a suture that's two months expired, the doctor would definitely want and the patient would want. The problem is the governments get offended, and you have to walk a careful line between the politics and the reality on the ground. So we have to mix... We have to walk very carefully, and the World Health Organization has recommendations that we do not send things that are within six months of the expiration date. At the end of the day, occasionally some expired supplies get into the containers, and sometimes the governments find out and segregate them. Other times they get to the doctors and they use their judgment. But at the end of the day, we'd rather collect non-expired supplies and not risk offending a government. But we have to be sensitive to the dignity of governments and, and their perception. How are you staffed? We have um, a staff that includes our warehouse staff, where we have a program director and a program manager for our warehouse, who also are in charge of volunteer recruitment and supply pickup. We have an operational director who's based both in New York and Brooklyn. We have a grant writer, and we have two other full-time consultants. So we have a staff right now of six or seven people, um, and we're growing. We may need to be up to 20 people before uh, the next six months are over. And how much of your time are you investing? Way too much of it, but it's a good way to go. Um, I've been investing a greater and greater amount of my time, and I've been prepared to make a personal sacrifice to do this. In fact, the commitment would be somewhat meaningless if I were not prepared to give a lot of my time. Um, but I would like to see this program reach a point of sustainability without me or to reach a point where I'm less important in its growth and continuation. But right now, since I founded it and since it's been a project personally identified with me, I still have a commitment to seeing it reach maturity. What's your plan for getting the word out? Well, on several levels, we are first contacting other organizations or groups around the country that might have common interest and we're doing visits. The publicity we've, we have received to date has generated a fair amount of attention. We're going to do direct email mailings. We have several advertising ideas. I think that what I've discovered is that this is such a caring, loving nation that people at times just need or want an opportunity to do something that's good and they'll take it. That sometimes in our day-to-day lives, we're just not exposed to something we can do. And then when that opportunity comes, many people want that. So if we get the word out anyway, you know, I'll have town criers go about singing about Dr. Doc if I need to. I want people to become aware of Dr. Doc and, and the response has just been so heartwarming. So it doesn't take much. We just have to get our word out there and continue to get our word out there. How many hospitals in the United States are participating? In Dr. Doc, I would say about 30 right now, but that number is growing. And we have 
linked hospitals with other similar organizations around the country. So I would say that a growing number of hospitals, because there are some other programs that do similar work that we're collaborating with on certain projects. And in fact, at the end of the day, we're going to try and nationalize a lot of these groups to raise the standard of practice of all the groups. So it's exciting. Are there plans to ask for participation from surgery centers, nursing homes, and other health care facilities? Definitely. Any type of health care facility has built into it medical waste that has supplies that are reusable and can be captured or recaptured. So yes, we will, we're approaching virtually any type of healthcare institution. Dr. Cherish, thank you so much for joining us today to discuss Doc to Doc. Thank you very much for having me. It was an honor. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.